Hello. It's just after 9, and I mean... Wait, what? One clock is telling me it's 9.01. And another... Okay. Well, my phone was being weird. It's more after 9 than I thought it was. It's 9.14. It's not that much different. Today is the 18th, I think. 18th, yes. Friday. Friday the 18th of October. <laughs> if you hear me make the occasional pauses because I'm taking a sip of coffee, probably. I'm not going to be playing any more Magic ever again, and I think I want to sell all the cards. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I think at one point I had said that Magic is the greatest game that's ever been made or that I've ever played. And to be perfectly honest, I think I was parroting something that I heard somebody else say. And at the time, I definitely did think it was the greatest game and or, or one of the best games that I'd ever played. And I would say in certain areas, that is something that I still believe. It is one of the most widely played games of, of that sort across the, the world where you can sit down from sit down at, at a table across from people from all over the world and not need to understand their language or them to understand yours and you can have a, a great game of magic and you can have some laughs. I've never experienced this, but I feel like I may have played somebody that didn't speak the greatest English at one point, maybe. I'm not sure about that. But I can imagine that's happened. There was footage and I've seen games played at, at a high level where that is the case. There would be somebody from Europe playing somebody from Japan or somebody from China playing somebody from from the US and they don't they don't understand a word of what the, the other person's saying. They can't even read each other's cards, but they know what each other's cards do because they're in the format that they're playing, be that legacy or standard and that that's the one I'm thinking of. And they the the pictures tell them what they need to know and they they, they know how they they work and it, it's they have a great game that is something that you can't really find with a whole lot of other games there's chess and checkers and there are definitely other games where that's the case but magic is unique in that it has that going for it that being you can sit down across from anyone and play a game and it's continually changing it has a massive library of cards. It has a ton of fans. Um, the the growth of the Magic community since Vera and I have started playing is massive. I, I don't know how much stock to put into the subscribers on the Reddit community, but in the year and a half-ish, give or take, that Vera and I have been paying attention to the game in any capacity beyond just knowing of it. We've seen the subreddit go from, I think it was 200-ish thousand, maybe low 200 thousands, to I feel like it, the last time I checked was something like 340,000. And that's in a year and a half. So it's gained 30 plus percent subscribers in that amount of time. I don't know what to attribute that to besides Magic Online or Magic Arena? That that would be the biggest factor that I can think of, just exposing more people to it. But I don't I don't know for sure. 
I like that in Magic you can come up with almost any idea if you want to build a deck around, well, almost anything other than squirrels. But if there's a tribe being, what I mean by that, if, if there's a creature type, that's, that's a, usually referred to as a tribe in Magic, and it exists in the game, you can probably make a deck around that thing. Even with as few squirrels and few squirrel creation mechanics as there are in the game, you could totally make a game or a deck that revolved around making a whole bunch of squirrels and swarm, swarming your enemy with them. You'd have to find, you'd have to have some cards that find your squirrel cards and then things that copy those, but you that's totally doable. That's absolutely doable. It also depends on the format because you can't do that in standard right now. I don't think there's a single squirrels card in in commander in, in standard. But if you want to do that in commander, have at it. If you want to do that in modern, you can probably make a halfway decent modern squirrel deck. Is it going to be compete at the highest levels? No, no, of course not. Is it going to do okay at the kitchen table? Yeah, it might do pretty well, honestly. So I like that aspect of of magic, but there's definitely some things that I've been struggling with in the past few weeks, maybe as long as a month. It was right around rotation and leading into Eldraine, I'd say. Rotation, Vera and I were kind of, okay, let, yep, we're ready for this stuff to get it the heck out of here, and let's, let's play with Eldraine. But when Eldraine came out, what happened was the game, and, and, well, standard specifically, got watered down drastically. And that happens every time there's a rotation because four sets are leaving and you're left with five. So you, you had eight, I think, yeah, eight or nine. I always get this mixed up. But a, a, a significant portion of your card pool has just left and is now replaced with a new set and less less uh, you have fewer options and there was a lot of interesting decks banging around at the end of toward coming towards the end of rotation I was thinking last night how Naya feather was totally a viable thing that people were playing before and now I haven't seen a single person on arena play that because it just gets completely blown out of the water by other things uh, your feather, it's Murderous Road or Swift Ended, the adventure side of, of Murderous Rider, or your you just don't even get off the ground, or Golos runs you over with, with by playing lands and each land generating at least one zombie, sometimes way more than that. I was playing against somebody that had Yarok in play, who was a Sultai legendary elemental, and so they used a bunch of Risen Reef Elementals to ramp and get a crap ton of lands out there, and by turn, I don't know, five or six, something around there, they had something like ten plus lands, and then they played Yarok so that every entering the battlefield trigger would trigger a second time, and so all of their field of deads were triggering triggering double the, the amount of time. So instead of getting six or three zombies per land drop because they had three fields of the dead, they were getting six. And then they play an Arboreal Grazer and then get another six and then play a, a, a Growth Spiral and get another. I mean, it was just nuts. They went from basically nothing on the board to playing a bunch of lands 
one creature, a few creatures, and then having a massive army of zombies. I just conceded. Anytime I face Golos now, I just, if I remember, I got halfway into a game, I was like, wait, wait, what am I doing? I just concede. Last week at FNM, my first round was against a person playing Golos, and I said, oh, you can have this, I'm not playing against this. And given how um, pervasive and oppressive that deck is, Wizards has done something I, I guess they've never done before, I think. I I don't I don't know. I, I I thought I saw or read somewhere that it was an unprecedented move, meaning that it's never been there's no precedent for this. That's what that word means. I don't know if that's the case. Maybe I misread that or maybe the person was incorrect in what they had said, but it's not a common thing. It that's certainly the case. That Wizards has pushed up the band date an entire, I think it was three weeks, maybe more than that, from sometime in November to uh, a few days from now. It's actually, today's the 18th, so in three days, on the 21st, we'll be hearing what they're banning. Most people are expecting Field of the Dead to be banned. It's it's the biggest problem of that deck. It's, it's what enables the entire deck to function. A lot of people have said, and people that are in the know on SCG, Star City Games, and Channel Fireball, people that make a living talking about magic cards and playing magic cards and doing things with magic cards and writing about magic cards, have said that that is almost guaranteed to be get banned. That, that seems just the, the most obvious thing. But I've also seen some of people saying that Oko, Thief of Crowns, should be banned as well, but they seem... <clears throat> the video I was watching last night with Matt Nass and LSV, they both felt that Oko probably wouldn't get banned, which means that we're just going to go from a a metagame where Field of the Dead is so far and away the most prominently played deck to probably Simic something, or Bant, or maybe Sultai, something that has Oko in it, because Oko is so insanely powerful in what he does it, it's it's nuts matt nass made a good point that he said this he said when i realized this it just absolutely blew my mind he said there's a card that just does five damage and cannot be countered fry from m20 it's the the i think it's blue green hate spell from that set to target creature player can't be countered i don't think it can be stopped it's just this huge nope card all the other hate cards blight beetle cruelian drake um, veil of summer they're all solid cards but that card fry does nothing to oko i mean it does five damage but if you play him on turn three and then plus him he's fine you make a food he's fine and then his other plus ability turns your creatures into worthless 3-3 elks, which, that's okay if they're... I mean, he can do it to his own side as well, so he can turn food tokens into a 3-3 elk, and then they can attack, because assuming they he did it on the previous turn, or it came from a gilded goose. Uh, he can turn your your problematic creatures... Oh, you've got a big creature out there? Oh, it's just a 3-3 elk with no abilities. Um, 
you've got a hush bringer that's in the air and it's shutting down my inter interplay or triggers my my entering the battle ETBs enter the battlefield triggers oh I'm just gonna drop it out of the sky and make it a a three three elk. <clears throat> um, what's her name? Uh, Mu Yan Ling. She comes into play with two loyalty counters. Two. Oko comes into play with double that. Four. Um, Mu Yan Ling's plus one reduces a creature's power by four for a, a, a whole turn cycle. But it doesn't permanently turn, turn that creature into a zero four creature or something of that effect and drop it out of, out of the air. It's a, a thing that you have to keep on doing. Oko just goes nope to that. That, that threat is now permanently handled. It's just, you can't undo that. There's Tail's End, which can counter an ability, and maybe people will find some ways to do some spicy things to to deal with Oko, but you have to have those cards in hand, you have to be playing blue, that's just, I don't, the first time I saw Oko played was when my wife was playing against an Oko deck, and I don't remember what she had on the battlefield, but they used his plus one ability, and I could not believe that that was a plus one ability. I hadn't really paid attention to the card because I think he's obnoxious looking and I just wasn't interested in playing him at all. And then when I saw, oh wait, that's a plus ability? That's not a negative? I couldn't believe it. It was just nuts. <clears throat> so, why am I complaining about all this? Why am I, why am I making these points? making these points because all of these factors have come together to make what could have been a really fun, a really interesting, a really exciting set, that being Eldraine, into a set that has a couple of cards that are just making the rest of the set pretty much obsolete. If, if your card isn't Fabled Passage, which is a land, Questing Beast, or Oko from Eldraine, it's a little bit of Murderous Rider, then it doesn't matter. Those are the only cards right now that have any relevance in, in, in the meta, in any real impactful way. Yeah, there's some side things like Fae of Wishes that helps the Golos deck. Okay, that's exactly what that net needed. But it's a very uninteresting meta. And I was really looking forward to the set because Vera and I had a lot of fun on pre-release. So it was that was that was a blast. I I often like pre-releases because you're only playing with those cards and everybody's trying to figure out. And even if you've watched a whole bunch of commentary and videos, it's still day of, and you're trying to figure out what what what, what do you do here. I had a good time, and I think Vera had a good time. We we enjoyed it. I remember our takeaway from that was we had a good time. But we have no idea what the meta is going to look like, so we're looking forward to see what that shapes up to be. Well, now that we see what it's shaped up to be, it's a very uninteresting, dull meta, where it's Golos, Bant, or kind of on the fringes, Mono Red. Wowee! Where has this left me? Well, there's a couple factors that have come together. This, all the stuff that I've been complaining about and whining about for the last whatever, 15-ish uh, minutes, along with a random game of chess that I was playing at work the other day, and who I was playing it with have led me to consider 
not stopping playing Magic. I don't want to do that. That's that's. I'm definitely not going to say that. But reevaluating where I want to or what I want to do with Magic. So what are some things I don't want to do with Magic? I don't want to get rid of the cards that we have. I want. Now let me speak positively. I want to keep the cards that we have. I like that we have a pretty sizable library and that Vera and I can make all kinds of commander decks or even standard decks right now. We can make tons of popper decks, even janky modern decks. I like that. I like having those cards to, to make things with. Um, what's another thing that I, I want to do? I want to continue playing Magic in some capacity. I want to play Arena. Then I want to continue this experiment that I started last night, which is keeping track of how many games are actually games of Magic on Arena. What I mean by that is how many times in a best of two or even best of one, or I'm sorry, best of three or best of one, does the game actually reach a point where there's some back and forth and there's some interaction happening, meaning one person isn't flooded or mana hosed? Because... It has felt like, and I don't know if it's just that the the negative instances have really stood out to me or if it's actually skewed towards this happening a lot, but it feels like 40-ish percent of the games are not really even games. I played four games last night while recording this, these stats on a spreadsheet that I've started, and of those four, one of them wasn't a game. So I had three Solid games where both myself and my opponent were getting lands and playing them. I I, I'm, I have to make some assumptions on my opponent's side. I don't know exactly what's going on over there. They might be getting flooded. But if I see them playing lands and threats and other things each turn, then I, I lean towards, okay, they're, they're having a game over there. But if I see them stuck on two lands and I'm at five, then I'm going to say, that's not a game. They're, they're screwed over there. Or if I see them play land after land after land, they've got eight lands out there, but one threat that they've played in the last three turns, that's not a game either. Same is true for me. So of the games that I played last night, only one of them was a non-game. So that's 25% as of starting this little project. My opponent was playing Bant something or another, and they just got screwed. They, they, they were stuck on blue lands. It was just blue, 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 blue. And that was game two. Game one, I'd see them play Hushbringer, um, Wilderness Reclamation, and a couple other things, all which required colors not blue. I don't really know what it was. Oh, Teferi thing? It was like some weird... Um, I think it was an anti-Golos setup is what it was. I think that's what the Hushbringer was there for, but I don't know. Anyways, it was interesting. Second game of that didn't happen. Then I played a mono green deck, and that did happen. Now, what does this have to do with chess, and what did I mention there? Well, this co-worker of mine... He's into Warhammer, which I've known about for years and years. It's hard not to be in the gaming community and not be aware of Warhammer. It's been around since the 70s or something. It's oh, quite a while. Um, the Warhammer universe is what Blizzard ripped off when they made their Warcraft stuff. And then Starcraft is a ripoff of Warhammer 40k. Um... So I've known about this universe for a while. I've never played it. I've never even really looked into it other than some of the lore stuff, which I've thought was really neat. I really like the... They've taken a lot of inspiration from Dune, 
and other science fiction things. The God Emperor in Warhammer is very similar to the God Emperor in Dune. They both are called God Emperor, so surprise, surprise. <clears throat> and this coworker I have plays this game. He's got a Tyranid army, which are these alien... They, they're kind of like aliens from the movie Aliens, the Xenomorphs, sort of like that. And so he's talking about it and telling me about things, and so I've kind of been like, oh, okay, that's neat. And then due to him talking about this, I was interested to see, what, what, is, what does a game even look like? And then <clears throat> he told me about a thing called Kill Team, and then I remembered, oh, a Card Kingdom or Mox Boarding House has a weekly come-in-and-learn-to-play Kill Team thing, so I signed up for that, screwed up the day on the previous week, not this week, but last week, I went out on Wednesday thinking it was Wednesday, and then I'm looking at a poster there, and it says, come in and learn to play Kill Team on Tuesday, and I thought, well, they need to change that because it's Wednesday, that's why I'm here, and then I was thinking, maybe it's not Wednesday, so I checked the, the reservation thing, the little confirmation on my my phone and the email that I got, thank you for signing up. And I looked and it said, oh, Tuesday. I was like, oh, damn it, how did I screw that up? So missed it that week, signed up again, and then went in actually on Tuesday. Vera met, we, met me there and we watched a couple guys play the game. And so all of these factors have come together and led to this, this coworker of mine and I playing chess. And the thing that happened with chess that really opened my eyes and when, oh, this feels on a physiologically, physiological level differently than magic, was the lack, well, not the lack, but the, the perfect information that you have. That's, that's what I want to say. In Reed Duke's series, Level One, where he kind of walks you through the beginnings of magic and all the way to where to go from now that you have the fundamentals of magic down. I think it's in his opening article that he's talking about what magic is, trying to describe it to somebody that has no idea. And the description that he gives is that it's kind of like a cross between chess and poker. And it's got the chess elements when you have the information on the board, but it's got the poker elements of, various, uh, of the variants and the unknowns. So you don't know in poker what cards the dealer is going to pull off the top. Assume, let's, let's think of Texas Hold'em here. You know what your cards are. You've got a jack and a, a two of diamonds, a jack of clubs and a two of diamonds. But you have no idea what's going to come off the top there and then what the next two cards are, the turn and the river and blah, blah, blah. So you're, you're planning and you're strategizing based off of what information you do know and then the tells from the other players. And then once you see the flop, the three, first three cards, okay, now you've got more information. But there is still a lot of unknowns. What, the other, uh, what, the, what your opponents have and what, what those next couple of cards are going to be, you don't know. Whereas in chess, it, you have perfect information. Checkers is another one where you have perfect information. There's nothing hidden. All of the pieces are right there. Both players know exactly how those pieces move. That never, ever, ever changes. They always move in the exact same way. Uh, white always goes first. So I guess maybe a, the only thing that's in the, the uh, up in the air is uh, at the beginning a coin toss of who gets to play white and who plays black. And I don't even know if, if that matters. I don't know if 
white or black has a higher chance of winning, I, I think it's probably 50-50 or, or damn near. I, I'm not honestly not sure. Um, and there's no variance as well, which is I just kind of touched on, that the pieces always move the same. The thing that I realized when I was playing that game of chess is that perfect information leads to something that I hadn't even realized until I played that game of chess. And what that that realization was is there was a total lack of anxiety and kind of sphincter-clenching moments in chess, where that happens every single time I play Magic, unless it's a real lackadaisical game that I just don't care about at all. Commander is less of that, for sure, because it's just more casual and there's a lot of joking going on and people are having fun. It's like, oh, and, and you're almost excited to see what comes next. It's like, oh, whoa, my goodness, you played what? Oh, okay, what does that do? And everybody leans in. Oh, oh it, it, okay, it's, oh, oh my, oh, so if we attack you, we all have to sacrifice a creature? Oh, my gosh, okay. Well, geez, anybody got a way to deal with this thing over here? Oh, it's got indestructible. Okay, so we got to exile that thing. Has anybody got an exile spell? Because this is, we can't deal with this. And the guy that just played that is, <laughs> what are you going to do about that, huh? I don't know. I hope I draw something. Good grief. So it's it's way more laid back than a game of standard. The thing that I realized, as I keep on saying, is that that lack of anxiety makes for... It's, I don't know how to put it into better words than something that Vera told me once. And she had told me that she knows what it's like to live, I don't know how to, how she worded it exactly, but kind of in survival mode where you're sort of in this reactionary mode. And I feel that that's the case with magic is that you're continually reacting. It doesn't even matter if you're a proact on the proactive side. Even if you're the most proactive deck that there is, mono-red aggro, you're hoping that you don't just flood out and run into land, 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 land. If you play a experimental frenzy, you want the cards that are coming off of the top of your deck to be things that are actually playable. You want to go land probably for the first one so that you just stick that. You, know, you want your draw to be something not great. So you probably want to draw land at, by the point that you're playing, the that you've played the Experimental Frenzy, and then you want that next card off the top to probably be maybe a land, so you can stick it into play, and then just gas after that. Shock, Lava Coil to get rid of a creature, uh, Searing Fire to deal four. Oh, here's a... Um, uh, why am I blanking on the Spectacle... What the heck is it called? The deal three spectacle cost? What the heck is that one? Skewer. Skewer the Critics, yes, thank you. That one. So, bam, bam, bam. Oh, I just dealt seven, uh, nine damage to your face, and I'd already attacked with a couple creatures. But again, that's all variance. You, there's no way to set that up. There's no... You're just hoping. Uh, let's see if... It, oh, do I have it? Uh, 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 which can lead to a lot of edge-of-your-seat moments, but... I don't know that I want every game that I play to be this edge of the seat thing where I'm like, okay, I hope I draw this this land. I hope I draw a land now and I hope I draw the right thing that I need. 
I've talked about the World of Warcraft game a few times, and I've lauded it for the lack of mana screw. You couldn't be mana screwed in that game. It was impossible, because any card you drew, anything in your hand, could be turned face down, and that was a resource for you. There's nothing like that in, in Magic. And it's a huge, huge factor in the game. Hanging, Hang on, I'm taking a sip here. The deck that I've been playing in Standard recently gets around the mana issue in a small way by playing, I think I have seven mana dorks. I have four Paradise Druids and three Leyline Prowlers. I think it's three, yeah. And... So if I get an opening hand with two lands and one Paradise Druid, I'll keep it. Especially if I have a Leyline Prowler or and or a Adventure Once Upon a Time as well. Because that'll help me find a land, it'll help me find another creature. So I can usually do pretty well. But even still, there have been games where... I'm thinking of a game that I played just recently on Arena where I had seen 17 cards. I had 43 cards left in my deck. And 10 of those cards were lands. I didn't need 10 lands. The most expensive thing in my deck cost 6 mana. I absolutely did not need that many lands. But yet the game decided to give me lands, give me lands, give me lands. And so I'm just sitting there each turn going, I hope I don't draw land. There's a land. There's this game that if you... Look here in the not-so-distant future. I think it might actually be getting posted pretty soon. Um, where I'm playing against a... I think it's a mono-green deck. And I draw something like... Five to seven lands. Oh, it's okay. So it was posted on the 17th. I, I just go through this section of the game where it's just land after land after land. I play a Temple of Melody. I scry. That's a land. I finally draw a Garrick. And then after that, I think it's a couple more lands. Somehow, against all odds, I actually win that game. Even having drawn basically, I don't know, 60, 75% of the lands in my deck. And those moments happen enough for me to have had this, I don't know, like I feel like I'm developing an ulcer or something. That might be a bit extreme. I don't know that I actually am. And somebody listening to this might say, well, man, just meditate some more. It's just a game. Okay, fair enough. You're right. On both accounts, it is just a game. And I probably shouldn't meditate more. That's a good thing to do. But it doesn't change the nature of the game. So where does that leave me? And what's my point to all of this? I think that for this season of Magic, I, I would just like to... Uh, my, my goal is to try and... I don't know. Ease off of, of Magic a little bit. And if you're wondering what that means, it doesn't mean a whole lot tangibly. It, it's more of a mental thing. Or I just don't want to put quite as much mental energy into it as I had been or have been. The deck that I've been playing is the one that I have said, and I have no problem sticking to this, that I'm going to play until Theros comes out. 
will I play something different when Theros comes out? I, I don't know, but maybe. Will I still be playing Stand when Theros comes out? I, I don't know. That comes out at the end of January, so that's three plus months away at this point. I think I think as of today, uh, pre-release is three months away. It takes place on the 17th, 18th, and 17th through the 20th of, of uh, January, I think. And then three months later is, I think it's Ikora that comes out in towards the end of April, exactly three months after Theros. So I don't know. I, it kind of depends on what the meta looks like. If it's just completely overrun by Oko decks, it's not something that I really want to go and do week after week and just be up against people that are playing Oko. I'm not spending... I have zero interest in playing that card. If it was a $2 card, I might go, mm, maybe. But it's not a $2 card. It's like a $35 card. There's no way that Vera and I are buying that card. One, because of the price, and two, because it's just obnoxious and unpleasant, and I just don't want to do that. <clears throat> so, I, I, I guess my talking this out is has been my goal and that's that's the whole reason that I made this is I just wanted to get this out of my head and just kind of talk with where I'm at and I, I said something to Vera last night that I found amusing and, and I still do in the past I guess it's more like two months I'm trying to think when it was that I contacted that friend back in Michigan about Commander, I asked him, should I be playing Commander or should Vera and I start playing Commander? And he said, yes, absolutely, it's the best format. And so we gave it a shot, and I think we've had a lot of fun. Even when we play each other, it's it, it's 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 been fun. And I don't feel that... Anxiety is not the right word. It's not anxiety that I feel. It's... I don't know what it is. It, it's stress? Maybe stress. I guess I guess I was looking for a more interesting word, but stress is what it is. I, I feel stressed when I play magic. I'm, I'm motherfucking stressed, yo. I need to get my my blankie. I need to scoot. I need to get outside and go scoot. Got have some fucking steam, yo. I, I had this, I don't know where it came from, but there's this gangster voice that I'll do sometimes. I haven't done it in a while. This is the first time in a minute. But that he, he says a lot of things in a real hard way, but he's saying them like a four-year-old. Like, I need my blankie. Yo, I'm fucking stressed. Anybody? Oh, my, oh, my, my, my tum-tum is, is a-growling. I need some fucking some num-nums. Hey, where's my mama? Where's my mama? Anybody see my mama? I need a hug. I got a boo-boo. I got this boo-boo. Oh, no. I need my mama to kiss this boo-boo. I don't, I don't know where this, this came from. Anyhow, am I thinking of changing hobbies? I don't know. I don't freaking know. I like magic. I enjoy it when it's casual, and I like its portability, which I hadn't even talked about. I, I guess I kind of got in the area of talking about that when I said that you can go anywhere and, and play it, but you can have a deck of cards that's the size of a fat wallet. You can keep it in a jacket pocket or something, and you can go and have a, a deck of cards and 
play at a, a table. If you've got two feet by two feet, you've got, I mean, that'd be a little bit tight, but you've got enough room to play some, some magic, have some dice. <clears throat> you you don't even really need the dice. It, it'll help. But if you've got a pen and paper and you can rip off bits of paper to use as counters, I've definitely done that. I've been in positions where I've used bits of packages, the the uh, torn wrappers that I find. You, know, you can use anything as counters. It, it helps to have dice because they're just more compact and you've got six numbers on one little thing. So it's... it's it's what most people do, but in a pinch, you can use all kinds of things. I like those aspects, um, but I don't like the lack of perfect information and the stress that comes from the variances. It's unpleasant. And I was thinking about the personality types that play magic, and it w I would be curious to know who gravitates towards magic and what, where they fall on the big five. Because I know that I am pretty high in, I don't know what it's called, conscientiousness is one thing, but I'm orderliness, that's what it is. But I don't think that's a big five thing, is it? I think it is. Is it orderliness? Maybe it is. I think it's like a subcategory of, of one of them. But I like things being ordered. If you were to be in our, I've mentioned this before, but if you were to come into our apartment and you might say, well, it's a little bit messy. Yeah, it's a little bit messy, but it's not a disaster. It's, all things considered, it's, it's in pretty good shape. Everything has a home. Uh, things are where they're supposed to be. It, it's, it's, it's not in, it's, it's not a mess. That's for damn sure. It looks like a lived-in apartment with some things here and there. The reason I'm mentioning this and the whole personality aspect is it it causes me stress when I play Magic because I don't know what's happening or what's going to happen. And that's okay, and that's how it is in life a lot of the times. I, I don't know what I'm going to encounter on my way to work today when I walk there. I don't know what's going to happen tonight when I head over to Magic. There's a lot of unknowns in the world. Yes, every moment is the, the walking from this moment to that moment to that moment. And I don't mean physically walking. I just mean the progression of time is full of unknowns. But I have a, a rough idea of what to expect. I mean, if some car came driving through the wall, that would be totally out of left field. I, I don't think that's going to happen, but you never know. Um... My point here is that because of my orderliness and liking things to be just so and liking things to be this way and that way, to a, to a degree, magic challenges that and it makes it difficult for me to have as good a time as I had when I was playing chess and that was just so much more relaxed being able to see all the things there and actually being able to strategize because I wasn't worried about what this piece might do. Oh, is it going to flip upside down and then move that way? I don't know. Is it, Am I going to get the piece that I need? I don't know. So a game like Warhammer, you know exactly where your, your opponent's pieces are. You know exactly where yours are. It's kind of like you're a commander of an army. The only thing that you don't know is how the dice will roll. But that's not the same as not knowing which card you're going to I feel like the weight 
of a dice roll, it's odd because it it could have more or as much of an impact as a single card, but at the same time, it's just, it's different. I'm trying to think of, of an analogy of why it's different, and I'm, it's like, um, I guess it's like taking a shot with a bow or, or a gun. You, you, if, if magic, so let's say you're shooting the magic gun. The magic gun, you don't know what's going to come out of the end of that gun. It might be silly string. It might be a crazy rocket that goes and blows up your target and just obliterates it. It might be just a regular old bullet. You have no idea. You can put various bullets into your gun to try and help you make sure that the, it's, you're going to do something impactful to that target. But as soon as the bullets are in that in, into the magazine, you don't know which order they're going to come out. Whereas with a game like Warhammer or chess, chess even more so, but with Warhammer, you all of the bullets that are in the gun, you know are going to come out. They're all going to be bullets. The only thing that you don't know is whether or not you're going to hit the targets. You just, But they're all going to be bullets. I guess that's a halfway decent thing. So the variance is nowhere near as extreme. It's just, do I hit the target or do I not hit the target? Versus, do I get silly string out the end of this target? So I've got an enemy that's rushing at me, and it's... I got silly string this time. Wow, that that did nothing, and I just got obliterated. Great. As opposed to, oh, it was a bullet, but I missed the target. Well, that's a bummer, because sometimes you miss. Well, okay. I don't know. I'm not sure if this has made a lot of sense. I feel like I've just kind of gone all over the place for the last 45 minutes. But that's helpful for me to do, which is why I have done these and why I still do them occasionally helps me reorient myself and figure things out just getting these thoughts out and seeing them for for what they are although a lot of this was just kind of rehashing stuff that I've talked about already with Vera or have muttered in my head or aloud as I've gone to and from work the past couple of days especially so to summarize I'm, I'm reorienting myself with magic. It's just a slight shift in, in things. And I would suggest if there's anything in your life that you're kind of on the fence about or you just... Maybe it's a large portion of your life, some hobby or something that you're doing, even if you're really enjoying it. Just take a moment to reevaluate where you want that thing and, and how much prominence you want that thing to take up in your life and is that the best thing and if it is and you go yep it is that's exactly where I want to be then hey keep on doing it but I think evaluations and uh, sort of self-diagnostics are really good to do occasionally I don't think you should be doing them all the time oh I gotta do this every day every hour but I think now and then especially if it's a large part of your life it's a it's a good thing to do all right, I guess I'll end there. Just, yeah. Bye. <laughs>